Welcome to Probably Science. My name's Andy Wood. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Jesse Case. So we were going to just uh, do an in media res. Is that what they call it when you start a story in the middle? Just uh, just oh, kind of like fade, fade in, fade but, into the but conversation. Then we're like, Wait, is this, have we started? So I don't know. Can we go back know. to the conversation? Have we even started? Have we started this podcast at all? We've been, we've been doing it for a few years. I mean, a lot of years now, but has it ever truly started? Well, no, yeah. what we were discussing. So so uh, our, our guest today is Billy Wayne Davis. He's an extremely funny comic. Um, and has a special about to drop. Yes. Exactly. And Billy Wayne and I have known each other for an embarrassingly long amount of time. Yeah. Where it's, it's like, like. I remember your first set. Yep. It's, it's like not, it's not, we're not quite at 20 years, but we're like above the, like. We've known each other like our friendship could vote, you know. Yeah. And it's uh and this but this is also the first conversation we've had where we've both been sober guys. We've always switched off, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so now we're both we're both living the clean life. Yeah, so you it, went I went I think there was like a like maybe a year or so where we were both kind of sober but not. Yeah. <clears throat> But that yeah, first year is like, got, you don't really count that as being a human once people... No, get, no, get it's all touch. just uh, shame and sleepiness. I got, uh, yeah, I guess I got about, I got six years coming up right at Thanksgiving. Cool. Uh, yeah. But it's, uh, but we were reminiscing about Nashville because it's like, you know that phrase, you can never really go home. And Nashville <laughs> is a different Nashville than the Nashville we knew. Um, it, completely different. It's like, a, it's, it's, it's not the same city at all. In a way that as like, you know, I tour, so I go through cities and we get to see the little subtle changes over the years. But in in this weird, weird way, unlike any other city, it turned into a different place. Yeah. Yeah. It like the the whole uh, the spirit of the whole thing changed. First of all, the first thing I noticed when I came back is that there's hot people here now, which is (laughs) insane. Like, uh, right. when I was growing up here, like everybody, like male or female, like everyone looked like Tom Waits. Everybody. Everyone was, inter- <laughs> everyone who was, yeah, what I was, it was, everyone was interesting looking. They yeah. were uh, By the way, I don't know if you yeah. can hear sirens in the background. That's because I'm currently in New York. It's not the Tom Waits alarm that we've added to the podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> like just every time, every time the word Tom Waits is mentioned. Uh, that was an expensive name. alarm to get installed. That was, and yeah, it was, it was. like, it we was. never use it. <laughs> well, because um, it's at your place now, back in LA. It's really coming to its own. I know, I know. Um, yeah, Nashville got cool, I guess, but then that then it wasn't cool. Then it's not cool. I don't know. No, it's, I think uh, you're right. I think it got like, hey, this it was is like, like grimy. A- it was dangerous. It was weird. It was, uh, you know, well, like was- Andy asked before. He's like, did it get gentrified? And I was like, that's not right. The the, the right word. But if we're being honest, it kind of is because. It what like you said it was like this grimy place for just like creative people, is yeah. what it, it didn't matter like what your art form or what genre of music like if you were trying to be creative it was accepting of that, but it was also dangerous. Yeah, and then which is like if you think about that's what any of the cool places in a city that where the artists go, and then they make it cool. And then people with money come. It it did just get like as a whole city gentrified. He's 
He's very right about that because it's now like the, it's the CBGB just thing. Money. So, well, I remember when that when that uh, Hustler Hollywood opened, and it, it which it's like a you know like a sex store or whatever, but it was like a, it's like a Starbucks. It was like a family friendly yeah. sex store, and it, and oh. like uh, Nashville used to be full of just insane creepy fucking porn shops where like you, you <laughs> yeah, need a dude. hazmat suit to just go in there world's and, uh, largest world's what... largest adult bookstore yeah uh that also they also sold like um uh like stuff for your garden like yep. bird baths and shit like in the basement and uh yeah they did yeah and i was yeah, just like did. oh man this is it's going downhill we got like a safe porn store now i don't know are oh, you saying there's a Hustler Ho- Hustler Hollywood is a brand? I thought you meant when they had the first Hustler store in Hollywood. No, no, it's okay. called. Sorry, it's called Hustler Hollywood, and it opened up, and but it was like, um, you know, so like, you had windows, like, like yeah, it was yeah, it and was you like could clean see through and, it, and yeah, it was like right. Because I yeah, remember the first time going in there, I thought it was uh, I, like on a, you know, I thought it was going to be like the other places. So I'm wa- I'm walking in like in my trench coat, you know, like <laughs> sure. where do I where do I go to jerk off? And uh, <laughs> and they're and they're just like, well, we have cappuccino over there. And I was like, what the fuck? Like I'm I'm here to I'm here to buy a rubber fist. What what do you you know? Do they at least draw a cock in the foam? Like do they? No, no, no? it's none okay. of that. It was I, I was just like, man, it's it's it was just one of those weird indicators of like when. Um, I'm obsessed with weird indicators of decline, you know, like, like, uh, like a canary. Yeah. Like, but not the big obvious ones like, uh, Trump won or whatever. But I mean, like, like, like at the grocery store, you know, um, when they came out with those jars that combine the peanut butter and jelly, they're just in stripes. Yeah, I was sure. like, it, it's over. <laughs> like we're done. Like, I, like <laughs> I remember the arenas when I was like, Oh, this town's, different like they they're trying to make it something that it's not yeah. because because like that was always the funny thing uh when i started touring i realized about nashville was like big acts don't come through there there was never like those big shows because it was just creative people who wouldn't go see that kind of stuff or if they did they just sit there uh so when they put the arena in there, I was like, they're trying to make this a different place. And then they just kept, and then they put the convention center and I was like, it's over. This is nuts. So when, when you were younger, where would you, what was the nearest city to see a big tour? Maybe Atlanta. Yeah. We were going to Atlanta to see like big stuff. Um, Nobody. Yeah. Nobody came through Nashville. And if they did, it was a Monday. There weren't like. Also, the venues were weird, man. It was like <laughs> yes. you could you could do like a 50 capacity, then maybe a 200 capacity, and then it jumped to like 3,000, and then it was just a football stadium. So, so a <laughs> lot of a lot of people couldn't they didn't fit anywhere, right? You know? No one in that kind of like 500 to 1,000 kind of range. Yeah, and also the like 3,000 to 5,000, you know, right. like uh, like the shins or whatever it's just not there's there's nothing for you i did right. see, you know, it had to be like i saw the like, strokes okay at the ramen auditorium and the eagles of death metal opened before they were like so this is one of those uh sobriety crossover things i w- we went together i was with you 
Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was gonna say I, I was part of this story is I did we did a bunch of shots at Tootsie's before and then walked the back alley to go, and then I remember getting mad at the Nashville audience because the Strokes were just playing their balls off, yeah. And those the Nashville crowd was just sitting there like kind of nodding their head. I was like, this is an insane show, you guys. Yeah. They're just yeah. like, yeah, I see what you guys are. It's like an L.A. comedy crowd where people yeah. are just like, I right. see what you're doing there, and you're like, I'm gonna fight every one of you. <laughs> that was that was definitely early 2000s Portland. Also, like everybody was in a band, so everybody at the show was also a musician, and they just yeah crossed arms. You're like, what do they have to do? If it's the Flaming Lips. What are you doing? Like, like, this is that is funny, right. Jesse, to comment that I do not remember you being there. <laughs> I would well, look, man. It wasn't. It also wasn't my most memorable era. You know what I'm saying? Like I was probably, <laughs> I was just like around. You know, just wearing a lot of beige. Like hot sauce too, wasn't he? Yeah, hot sauce was there. Um, okay. It's there's it's blurry. I just yeah. remember the show being awesome. Yeah, no, it was a great show, man. It was a great show. Um, uh, <laughs> so, so uh, Billy Wayne, before we get into. Th- Actually, well, before we even ask you the question that we always ask at the beginning of the show, tell when is your special coming out and on what format and where can people see it? What platform? November 17th, it's coming out. We're doing like a premiere on Moment, and then there's a Q&A after, and then it'll be available there for two weeks. And then after that, it's on all of the on video on demand, and then the, like the audio version drops too on all those, so... Sweet. Where did there. you film it? Uh, in Denver at the International Church of Cannabis. And it really has nothing to do with cannabis. It's just like the inside of that church is so rad that I just, yeah. But then people have latched onto that part. And I'm like, well, I do have a cannabis podcast, so I can see where you can put those together. <laughs> <laughs> but is it's it funny those... where I was like, ah, it really has nothing to do with cannabis. This special doesn't. <laughs> did they actually get some kind of... Uh governmental distinction as a church to allow some law skirting with with yes substances or yes it's like a tax thing or like it's very tricky and i've asked the owner to explain it to me because i'm i have a similar mind to you guys like how'd you do this um and it gets murky so i'm and then when when and where you can smoke in the church is also very unclear so, you know, there's like a lot of, I think, loopholes he's jumping through sometimes. Right. Um, I'm looking at pictures, though. This is pretty awesome. He got this Spanish artist to come over and make this incredible mural on the inside where I was just like, I did a 420 show there years ago and I was like, oh, it would be cool to shoot something in here one day. Okay, the the very first link for it when I googled it just now is for is on Atlas Obscura, which tells you something about the quirkiness <laughs> and interest of the space. It's it looks pretty amazing. Well, yeah, and it's also in a residential neighborhood too, so it like it it, just it's a real church like a building. Church. It's a real right? church. Yeah, it, I mean, it was a church before they bought it. I'm sure a traditional church, right? Yeah, and you can stand in the baptismal. <laughs> it's pretty great. A, church, a, a place of worship for elevationists. I haven't heard that. I like it. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's all very um, clever. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, I'll, I'll check that out next time we're in Denver. We're in Denver a lot. My wife's from just outside Denver, uh, so we are frequently near there. Um, That's a great-looking venue. It is yeah. pretty cool. If you guys so, Billy, we like to play it. We like to ask our guests before we get into stories. What, if anything, is your background in science? And that's ranged from classes you took or hated, or blowing stuff up in the woods with your friends. Um, it was always something. It wasn't like my favorite subjects, but it was something that I was like, I totally understood. I was never like, I don't understand. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so, and I also saw the practicality of it. But I mean, now. My relationship to science is like I've I'm really into regenerative agriculture, and that's because I started growing cannabis, and then I started looking into how to grow it the healthiest way, and then uh-huh. that teaches you a lot about how the environment works and how nature works, and that's and then you know as you start looking back, you realize like oh yeah, my grandpa was a cattle farmer, and my other grandpa was an arborist, so it's probably in there somewhere. So huh. yeah. hmm. And this is, you, your podcast is Grown Local, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's me so, and a grower from Eugene, Oregon named Mike McGowan, who grows living soil, uh, all natural organic cannabis. It's, so how much, how much work, like hours per week wise, does a grow operation take? Not much. No. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, like, like the one I'm doing, like a hobbyist. Is that what you're asking, or you're to ask? Yeah, like I've just had no idea what goes into it. If it's like daily tending to things, or like, well, yeah, I mean, but it's like anything else where it's like I have it set up in my like this little closet, for lack of it, like a closet shed kind of thing, in a tent, and I built the soil, which was really fun to do. Uh, you order all the ingredients, and then you mix it together, and then you start feeding it and it becomes alive. So the way I'm doing it, the initial setup's kind of an annoying, but if you like puzzles, that's all mm-hmm. it is. It's a cool puzzle. And then the way I'm doing, it, I have to kind of hide it from the kids to a certain degree. <laughs> so it adds that kind of, I mean, I don't have to, but it's like, I just don't want to explain a lot of it yet. Yeah. Everybody loves a dad with a shed. You can't go into. <laughs> <laughs> they can go in, but they just, there's a tent where they're like, what's that? And I'm like, ah, whatever. Uh, but, um, it's daddy's boring project. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, it, that is exactly what it is at this point. Cause there's like a bucket and looks like work to them. I'm growing Brussels sprouts, kids. You don't it want is. any part of this. Well, it's like, yeah, do you guys want to help me grow stuff? And then they're not as interested. They're like, Oh, okay but once you get it going like you have to kind of monitor how often you water it and all that so it's like i'd say an hour a week probably two hours when you have to do stuff it's and how long does it take for like a yield and how and what is the yield it all it all depends like this last one and now it all the, another secret the soil is a secret and then the genetics getting good seed genetics that's right. also that's like so important because right. you're not doing anything when people are like i'm a good grower and you're like you're not you're just good at setting up and then getting out of the way because nature does all of it right uh, uh but i've learned that I've also learned if you don't do certain things right when they go wrong, you're fucked. Uh, Because nature just 
like bugs and stuff and it's it's wild or if it doesn't have enough stuff it's very interesting but it takes three or four months and then it depends on the strain on what you're going to yield because sometimes okay. it's you know that part's really cool like moving to california was huge because i stopped smoking in new york because i couldn't everything i was getting made me paranoid this is not a good place to be paranoid. No. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then when I moved when I moved to California, I was like, oh, I can control what I get and all that. This has changed my whole life. That's now, awesome. but I mean, I, I don't know enough about the, uh, like, let's say just a plant. And I know it's going to vary. How much weed? I mean, how much weed are you getting, man? Is it like a, are you getting a, an ounce, a kilo? Like, I don't know. I don't know how many plants I like to measure in. it in kilos. Um, I do. Okay. Like, um, no, I think, I, you know, they all, the grower type dudes, they're real cocky because of the whole thing. But some of them, you're supposed to, it's how many pounds you get a light is how okay. they measure it. So like a plant you might get like an ounces or you might get a whole pound out of a plant depending on how tall it is but a lot of it has, depends on how big my tin is it's not going to get super tall right and then i'm not great at the trellis part where you kind of have to bonsai the yeah uh, the stuff to get it to grow like i'm learning how to do all that different this is my like third grow and you get real cocky the first time because you're like this is easy and then you're out you're also like, it's not great weed, so I'm not good, you know, I wouldn't. Do you I'd, get, do you get enough weed to get you through the next growth cycle? I guess what I'm saying is, do you have to, do you at any point have to buy weed or are you I just mean, like, this is enough. I don't have to buy weed. But. <laughs> well, no one has to buy, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. uh, let's say if you're smoking, I don't know, an eighth a day, but I don't know how much people smoke. I think. What I understand the question you're asking, and <clears throat> is it a sustainable highness? The two, the-, <laughs> the, the two, the two answers to your question are: I could, if I wanted to, keep all that that I get and just smoke that until I get right. to the next. But like you said, there's like a top like tolerance, and then there's like a taste thing where you're like, you're not just gonna eat right Thai food for three months. You know, sure. You might. You might. I mean, in Seattle, you could get away oh. with that. It's great. So it's like you run a Thai restaurant, but sometimes you want to go to McDonald's. Exactly. Or you want to see like, hey, I'm not great at growing this, so that guy is. I want to smoke his stuff too, because it's oh, like right, better. Right. So right. that there's that. You know, it's a medicine thing too, and then it's cool to smoke your own, but after a while, you're like, I'm not great at this. So I have to keep trying, and these guys are amazing at it. So it's a fun hobby is what it is. And this, one of the weirdest side effects that I like to pre- not preach, but like make a point of saying every time I talk about it is like I changed my diet once I started growing. Right. Like, you quit uh, processed sugar, right? Well, I'm back on that because you need some kind of wall. Because it is good. Yeah, it is good. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's like hey i just need to tap out for a second uh and it's in everything i'm i need to go back but i went for four months and it's truly what makes us fat in america but it is absolutely what makes us fat it's sugar you say yeah without a doubt yeah in what form what was your sugar vice 
Oh, any. It... Like gummy worms? Like what? <laughs> I would, I mean, that was <laughs> a vice. That was a vice on the road that pops up that I got rid of. And then when I start touring again, like, like Dave, if I'm doing a longer run where it's like day, like seven to 10, like around day five or six after the show, I'll be like, I'm going to get some gummy worms tonight. And you're like, okay, I'm getting tired and I need some kind of comfort because it is just, and what I've learned is that if I eat it after a show, I can spike my blood sugar and then I crash and go to sleep. So it's like a Ugh. weird, weird hack from the adrenaline. There have been there have been so many times I've been on the road and just like I'm gonna keep it together. I'm gonna stay clean, you know. And then after the show, you meet some guys got some Reese cups, and you're it just is. like, damn, dude. He's like, you want to come? You want to come eat some candy, man? And uh, yeah, it's brutal. It really? does a stunt. Like, struggle I know, that I have now. Yeah, it's a t- uptown. Struggle. I notice it though in like in in America how much sweeter and how much more sugar there is in. Like I can't. Even even something as simple as bread, like American bread in supermarkets, tastes significantly sweeter than anything I've got in Britain or other countries. Well, and just everything is uh, Matt. I was one of this is such a weird, obscure memory, but one of my favorite Matt Kirshen memories. I was with him the first time he had cheesy potatoes, and it blew. It, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. We were at uh, our our friend Brittany's house for like some sort of Thanksgiving something. I don't know. And you were just like, it blew your mind. You're like, that's mental. (laughs) Oh, was this like Thanksgiving or something? I was like, why is there a a layer of sugar on top of these potatoes? Yeah, it was like years ago. It was like cheesy potatoes, something. You were just like, it it blew your mind. Yep. And and then I was like, oh, because it was so normal to me. Like, yeah, yeah, cheesy potatoes. What are you talking about? (laughs) I, I never, like, <laughs> I never called it that. And so when I saw that my 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 weird addiction episode about the woman who only has only ever eaten cheesy potatoes her entire life, what? and she keeps saying cheesy potatoes, I'm like, you can at least call them like potatoes au gratin and sound fancy like, before you admit you've only <laughs> eaten this gross thing. Hold on, what show is this? Well, I gotta I, see I that. I forgot if it was my strange addiction or you know just one of those like gross exploitative TLC things. But <laughs> yeah, I was woman, gonna say you know TLC. It's TLC. a learning yeah. channel. Yeah. yeah, you want to learn about people who are beneath you. Yes. Uh, but this woman somehow, I don't know how she convinced her parents to do this when she was a kid, but she's only ever eaten cheesy potatoes her entire life. And if, if a vegetable is being cooked near her, it'll make her gag. So her husband eats normal food, but she can't be in the room when he's preparing it or eating it because she'll throw up. I bet he. I bet he's like, every day he's like, this is made the right choice. <laughs> this, this is perfect. This is great. Nailed it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I got to check potatoes. that out because I I, uh, I DVR a lot of the other TLC stuff, man. You know what I mean? Dr. Pimple Popper, I'm all over it, right? Oh. Six, 600 Pound Life, all over it. Uh, 90 Fiance, it's probably my favorite channel, if I'm being honest. So I'm, I'm, I'm shocked I haven't seen the Cheesy Potato Lady. Okay, I'm, I'm putting a link here. I think the full episode is on YouTube, so we can link to it in the show notes. Oh, Wait, do you really watch all those shows, Jason? Yeah, yeah for real. Yeah, Can it's I like the you? only TV I watch. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not judging. I if it's nah, about ju- Russian, judge away, man. It's, it's about it's... the Russian mafia or or like drug trafficking. I'll watch anything on that. Um, sure. That's that's and I'll fall asleep watching it, and my children are horrified. Uh, but the 600 pound life, like, what is? What do they show? Uh, it's, it's, like, it's okay. So the show, the, yeah, the show centers around one doctor, a bariatric surgeon named Dr. Now is Arden. 
And he's in Houston, Texas, right? Okay. So the show is about people that are want to get bariatric surgery. They want to get a gastric sleeve, something like that. And when you hit a certain weight, it's very dangerous to undergo anesthesia. So they, a lot of them think, oh, this will be a, you know, this, this will be a simple Magic thing. Bullet. Magic mm-hmm. bullet. But they have to lose like 200, 300 pounds before they can do the surgery. So it's a show about it. It's a show about addiction, right? Because right. they're very, very addicted. They get, the, you know, they get this diet where it's like, because um, the numbers don't lie, right? So for instance, to, to maintain that weight, you have to take in so many calories a day where you just will lose weight if you reduce it to like 3000 a day, you know? So, and, and I guess the thing with me is it food addiction, um, blows my mind. And this is not in like some funny way. It blows my mind because it's an addiction that you have to kick while still doing it to survive. So it's like, it's like if you're an alcoholic, but you have to have one warm PBR every day. Right. Like, you, like you have to, or your life. To well, stay I think alive. there are alcoholics like that. Uh, sure, sure. I, I suppose to, to like stave off the DTs or something. But I mean, it's not. But it's a thing that's like part of a healthy life when done. It's like sex addiction. Like, well, you don't you don't want to go to a life with zero sex either. So it's like. Do you guys sure. remember? So, do you guys ever like when you realized you had a friend who was an actual sex addict? You're like, oh, that is like a thing because it is ruining your life. <laughs> I'm not yeah. Sure no. Hmm. I you don't. I, Maybe. I, Probably. I, sure I guarantee I all of us do and don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. No. I've got a. I. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I've got a sex addict buddy. I guess. Um. But I don't know if buddy's the right acquaintance. No, yeah. Ex- sex exactly. addict acquaintance. Yeah. You yeah. Keep yeah. No. Isn't the correct term fuck buddy? Yeah. Fuck buddy. Both of us are there. All right. Um. No. Yeah. You're right. You're right. It absolutely like. Yeah. Yeah, I want, but uh, yeah, the, sh- the show centers around you know this guy, Doctor Nalzarden. They go, they meet him, they struggle, they uh, hopefully succeed in uh, being able to get the surgery and losing the weight and such. Um, not my favorite TLC program, you know what I'm saying? I'd much rather pop on a 90 Day Fiance, something like that. Uh, but if if a you know if a 600 pounder is on, I'm gonna watch it. I watch. It. I understand? Yeah, you know. I was just fascinated with what the show could be about. Because it's it's not yeah, a lot it's of activity, just a, right? It's it's a lot of um, a lot of it is the difficulty in a lot of stuff you don't think about. Like it's the difficulty in traveling to Houston, right? They can't fly, so most mm-hmm. of the time you got to drive. Uh, you know, sometimes people will rent an RV or like a U-Haul just to put people in the back, like in a mattress. No, yep. you're saying the the U-Haul thing. See, I had true. three jokes loaded that I knew were too unsen- too insensitive, so I didn't do them. And then one the of them similar the to the yeah, the reality. No, like it blows your mind. Like the reality of it blows your mind because you're like, wow. Because it's I, I uh, like I guess I didn't realize how much. And and by the way, six hundred pounds. That's the minimum to be on the show, right? It should be named. <laughs> okay. okay. You know, because I mean, my at least six hundred pound life. Yeah. yeah, like like uh, so, so a lot of these people are, are you know, 900 pounds or their weight is like unknown. They just know it's like around a thousand. Yeah. You know, it's a real like like it's it's brutal. Uh, it's a tough watch, but I'm not watching it like, um, you know, with the giggles. 
like a 90 day fiance or something where I'm just like, eh, this is ridiculous. Um, you know, and then Dr. Pimple Popper is like great. Uh, he was, you know, that doesn't gross you out. Um, nah, not really. I mean, I, you know, I love a good pop, man. I love it. I don't watch it like in my free time, like uh, to relax, like late at night. I won't. I don't watch compilations, you know. Uh, I'm not one of those guys. But do you have yeah. a favorite pop? Man, I would say just a really good cyst. Man, I'm beyond pimples. Man, fuck that. <laughs> you know, I can't. I can't do that. I need something gritty. You know, it's, yeah. is it? It's satisfying to you, huh? Yeah. Is what hey, it on, is. Gr- grit, you're talking about gritty the Philadelphia mascot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I need to watch full the pus. Ugh. Yep, I need to watch. Well, no, I watch him popping things, uh, and 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 he creates a sterile field, man. I mean, he does it. He uses a, a, a lancet. He does the whole thing. They've um, started doing it at halftime instead of the. You know, it's, it's one of the charity challenges now. <laughs> like anyone with a pimple gets to come out. <laughs> he just, well, yeah, it's between to the between periods. Yeah. and that motherfucker walk through the door. <laughs> You'd be like, I guess that's fine. yeah, yeah. That's what our healthcare system is. I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, guys, if, if Gritty pops one of your cysts, that's going to leave a bit of a crater. Uh, hey, there it is. What's oh, that? You know yeah. what else? You know what yeah. else might leave might leave some craters? What's going on, buddy? Is what? a large meteorite impact on Mars. Uh, seismic waves have been observed on the surface of a planet other than Earth for the first time. Hey, you guys want to see some, uh, hear some creepy shit? Yes. Clicked on the link. My targeted ads are LED grow lights. Yeah. And, oh, no. Yeah. And... I have not Googled that shit. I have not typed it anywhere. Hey, wait, did you open a link for the uh, Church of Cannabis in Denver? Oh, that's that, probably it, isn't it? That Is might that have enough? done it. <laughs> I'm turning okay. off my ad blocker and I'm going to No, see no, that's got to be it. That's got to be it. Because for Still a minute impressive. there, I was like, oh, man, that's creepy. Still impressive. Yeah, By the way, impressive. let's put a pin in that and come back to the Twitter uh, and ad conversation. Because I have a beef with everyone's takes on the Twitter changes, but... Okay. For now, let's talk about meteorites impacting Mars and causing seismic waves. Let's do it. So scientists have observed for the first time seismic waves propagating along the surface of a planet other than Earth after two large meteorite impacts on Mars. The data from the Mars quakes was recorded by NASA's InSight lander and analyzed at ETH Zurich in collaboration with the InSight science team. It provides new insights into the structure of the Martian crust. So yeah, these so are just working sent by uh, Justin Broad, by the way. Thank you, Justin. Yes, thanks, thanks Justin. Justin. Uh, researchers working at ETH or ETH Zurich on the Marsquake service have been analyzing the measurements made by the NASA InSight mission's seismometer on one of our neighboring planets. For almost three years, the only seismic waves it detected on Mars were ones that propagated from the respective quake's focus or hypocenter through the depths of the planet. However, the researchers were hoping all along for an event that would also generate waves traveling along the planet's surface. I've been hoping for it too, frankly. Right? Fingers crossed. Yep. And when a large meteorite impact on Mars yielded the type of surface waves they'd long been anticipating on December 4th, December 24th of last year, their wait was finally rewarded. Wait, this was last year, but they're just, okay. Um, Because some of the unusual characteristics in the quake readings, the investigators suspected its source was near the surface. Therefore, they contacted colleagues who were working with a probe orbiting Earth, and indeed images taken by the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter in late December 2021 revealed a large impact crater about 3,500 kilometers away from InSight. Okay. That's pretty cool. So the location was a good match with our estimates for the source of the quake, says Doyen Kim, a geophysicist and senior research scientist at uh, ETH Zurich's Institute of Geophysics. Kim is the lead author of a study that's just been published in the journal Science. 
The researchers were also able to pinpoint a meteorite impact at just under 7,500 kilometers from InSight as the source of a second atypical quake. That's pretty cool. Okay. So... <laughs> So these are called. Uh, see in the next paragraph here. These are called Mars quakes. I guess that makes sense. Now I thought, I thought an earthquake. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Oh, yeah. I mean, I always thought an earthquake was because of what is quaking, not because of the fucking planet. Well, I mean, do you call the, the soil on Mars? Would you call that soil Earth? I don't know. I don't know. It, it's a shitty way to name a planet too. Just <laughs> and what's it made out of? Because we should have named it water. We should be living on a planet named water. But I guess this is before if we. If you're do. going surface area, but if you're going volume, right, sure, or mass, it's mostly non-water. But is that cross-cultural and cross-language? Like, like, uh, do some cultures just call our planet like dirt or sand or whatever? Like, you know what uh, I mean? Does it translate like that, or is Earth? Because it's a thing, and but it's like this is the name of the planet. But I just wonder if that's. I'm gonna do some quick googling of various uh, languages. So, Tierra. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, let's see. But does Tierra also mean the planet in Spanish? The planet Earth? Oh, let's see. Planet Earth in Spanish. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, yeah, Tierra. Okay. I, so I it's believe. like, a, it's a synonym in most languages. It's well, a, at least we're uh, in a romance language. Who knows? And there's tons of different languages sure, that are sure. unrelated. Sure. Uh, yeah, if you speak a language where Earth, the planet, and Earth, the dirt are are not the same word, a non-romance language. If you if you got some Germanic shit, if you know Cyrillic, please sure. write us in. That's probably science at gmail dot com. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, the sneeze was unrelated. Got some Earth at my nose. And uh, mark your envelope, Earth. So Earth. Uh, but this is a Mars quake. Which Mars uh, quake. Okay. All right. Um, so, but these uh, seismic surface waves are important, right? Because they provide information about the structure of the Martian crust. Uh-huh. Obviously, different types of Earth or Mars, sure. as it's called, will uh, <laughs> vibrate differently. The seismic body waves, which travel through the planet's interior during a quake, have so far provided insight into Mars's core and mantle, but have revealed very little about the crust away from the lander itself. Um, the result of the surface wave analysis surprised uh, Mr. Kim, on average, the Martian crust between the impact sites and InSight's seismometer has a very uniform structure and high density. Directly below the lander, however, the researchers had previously detected three layers of crust that implied a lower density. So, big shakeup in the mm. uh, what's it's the like density a- of this crust community, which uh, argues vehemently. At, triple, at the, like a at, stuffed, a triple stuffed crust. Well, if you've ever been to CrustCon, you know that this yeah. is the big. These are the big convos. Sure. Um. So a planet's crust provides critical clues on how the planet formed and evolved, and the new findings are exceptionally useful, since the crust itself is the result of early dynamic processes in the mantle and subsequent uh, magmatic processes. It can tell us about conditions billions of years ago and the timeline of impacts, which were particularly common in Mars's early days. So you're going to want to measure those waves. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised there were more impacts in Mars's early days because there wasn't much of an atmosphere to stop them now, right? It's just there there was just more shit flying around back then. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Presumably more things were, I mean, has has it been just accepted that Mars was like a atmospheric, you know what I mean? I don't keep up on Mars that much. I check in on Mars like once every five years. Sure. What's going on with Mars? It seems pretty static, you know? 
Um, well, no, stuff's hitting it all the time, I guess. Stuff's hitting us. Did you guys see that? Uh, are we in the middle of the one of the torrid showers right now? I believe meteor shower. And there was a fireball up in Northern California that they're pretty sure. I don't know how they don't know yet. They're pretty sure it burned down a house. Yeah, but to be fair, that's like Northern California, so they're up to. Yeah, who knows what? Yeah, yeah who knows yeah, what? Hippies. Where they're like, yeah. it was, it was a lab. You're like, now nah, as a meteor hit our house. You're like, oh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay yeah. Right, but there right. was there, there were tons of people who caught the fireball on their like ring cameras, and it was huge. It lit up the night sky, and it did seem like it. Yeah, man. But if you if Earth. you deep fry a turkey weird enough, sure. it's gonna light up that night sky. Yep. Listen, it, uh, if you make that vat big enough, you could <laughs> you yep. deep fry anything, really. Mm-hmm. That is a hilarious, is- like immediate. It's it's the ultimate, like uh, it, that's like the dog ate my homework of meth. It's like a meteor hit my house. Yes. <laughs> well, also, like I imagine, just only Randy Quaid saw it happen. <laughs> wait now i'm seeing an article that says the fireball did not touch ground so maybe coincidental house burning let's see this according is to chance. abc 10 I'll, I'll put this to you guys you can judge for yourselves if you want to trust this source but you can see at least through people's ring cameras how just how bright this thing was and i think oh tonight i didn't go outside last night i should have i think last night and tonight is another uh peak of of these torrids i believe you know what i would like is a ring camera uh that's like actually on a ring like in mars attacks okay you know what i'm saying do we have those yet like rings with like an eyeball on them i think you probably get that i don't think that'd be too difficult actually i was going to ask billy wayne if you've gotten my friend who grows back in michigan said uh he had this quantum leap forward in his quality of his yield when he got this uh usb digital microscope like it's not even a microscope that looks like one in the traditional sense it's like a tiny little thing oh i have i have a yeah because what you can do i have one it's like it was like 20 30 maybe 40 dollars some 20 40 dollars somewhere in there and i'm holding it right now uh uh, because it's on my desk but it is it's really cool the purpose is to look at like the crystals on the leaves is that what you use it for it's the trichomes which are like the little hairs uh-huh. those they're they get milky which is like dark and then you want to harvest when they're at a certain point and as soon as i said the point i always have to look it up before i do it because i'm new at this so i'm not going to tell you what the actual point that, that you're looking for is so i'll mess it up but it used to be like this you know, farmers were just like, ah, it feels like this is the right time to do it. But now with this thing, you can look really close in it on your phone because it mm-hmm. just connects to an app on your phone and you can see exactly where it's at. So you know the exact time and he's right. And then you'll yield more and all that. It's hmm. it's kind of rad. That's pretty cool. I mean, for that price too, that's incredible. Like one of those things like 20 years ago, this... A wouldn't have existed at all. B, if it had existed, would have cost who knows how much. But hey, can we talk about this Powerball really quick? Sure. Is it still going? No, no, no. no, no. Somebody, some Dana won it. Yeah. So <sighs> it was it it peaked out at two point oh four billion dollars. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, but I found out today that they took the lump sum, which came out to like six hundred fifty million dollars, uh, which is more money than I can think about. Sure. 
you know, so of course you would just do that. But then I was looking how like this is one of those rare jackpots where I suppose taking the the annual payment would be the way to do it because it's like $50 million a year (laughs) and then you get like $1.8 billion or something. Well, if you live long, I mean, presumably they did the math on, well, first of all, anything over like 20 million, I can't imagine even being able to spend it in your life. So right. Who cares? But yeah, yeah. No, it just kind of blew my mind how it's like, I like, I get it. Like if you win like a uh, $5 million jackpot, just take the lump thing. You know what I mean? You're like, instead of getting whatever you're a hundred grand a year or something, which you're just like, okay, that'll be very cool. That's great. Yeah. It's not good. Um, But well, no, I mean, it's like, that's, you don't have to work. If but you, you can't want. you can't make some big move if you wanted to right. like start right. a business or something with a right. hundred grand. I, right, you're just you like I, I can just like hang out comfortably and that's great. Yeah, um, but I feel like with numbers this high, where you're just making like insane CEO money every year for nothing, I feel like I would have taken the annual. That's but all again, I'm saying. I just, what's, it, you know? what's it spreading out? Is it spreading out over enough years that you're risking that you won't live to see the end of it? And that's why some people might go for the short one. Or for the lump sum? Uh, perhaps, perhaps. But I think you can you can still pass it on. You can still pass that on to someone. Yeah, okay. you could just put that money in a, yeah, some kind of trust or something, I think. Also, I'm with Jesse on this. Like, If you can't start a business with 50 mil a year, I don't think you should be doing that business. It's yeah. Uh, but also, did, did this person remain anonymous? Because they're going to get killed, right? I mean... Uh... Uh, I think in California you can remain anonymous. In Tennessee yeah. you can't, which is obviously, really? yeah. They they uh, <laughs> some states you're allowed to, some you're not. Some states, uh, like in Michigan, they can keep your name anonymous and stuff, but they have to legally release a photo. So the last big winner in Michigan showed up in like a full body costume, <laughs> like basically like showed up like gritty to pick up the giant check and then just left. It's it's great. That's amazing. Yeah, it's just everything I've heard, though, if you've ever read like uh, longitudinal studies of or just looking at lots of people who won the lottery, the amount of awfulness that it brings into most people's lives is like shocking. The fact that most people have lost all their money with within like five years. But that's also like just some shit we tell ourselves because we didn't win. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I didn't need notorious. it. Nah, I, I, that would suck. That would suck. I don't need it. I mean, okay. <laughs> let me give you a counterpoint to that because I have a friend who came into some money because of Gross. a, uh, <laughs> it was pretty hot actually, <laughs> uh, because of a, a police, like uh, $12 million because of, a. I don't want to like ID him by giving too many details, but like it, it, it's, but, but, the, the cops had to pay him $12 million. Yes. And <laughs> yes. if you, and if you are, and he is single and if you know his full name and you're a prospective dating partner and you just Google him, this is what's going to come up. So there's no getting right. around. Anybody who meets him is going to know he has $12 million. And we were talking about this and I was like, Oh, I never thought about it. like, yeah, you really don't know who's dating you for the right reasons from now on where you would have never had to think about that before. Yeah. Um, hey, I mean, you guys, he's like, yeah, but sex now. <laughs> you guys, he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> you guys want to hear uh, something yeah, about uh, when Billy Wayne brought up earlier the, our you know your one sex addict friend or whatever. So my sex addict acquaintance, check out. You want to hear some real dirtbag shit? 
what what he does is when he goes to um, and this is actually someone I know. I'm not speaking about myself. OK, um, sure, sure. No, I'm not saying like, you know, my friend. Blessy Blaze. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Because if I, you know, we've all seen me. If I was a sex addict, I would just be a frustrated guy. Uh, it wouldn't make a difference. I, but uh, I, this guy, uh, when he goes to an ATM, he always checks to see if there's a receipt that someone left before. And if it's a big balance, <laughs> he keeps it. Yeah. So yeah. that way, when he, he like, if, if he's giving his number to somebody, he's like, oh, I'll just let me write it on this. And oh then they can, they can see that he has this insane balance. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I got no notes. No notes. Yeah. Zero notes. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's a, that's what I'm saying. Like that's, that's consuming your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the addiction part where like that is ruining, like that's, that's ruining your life, but you don't realize it. You're like, well, this is my life. And you're like, that's fair, but this yeah. runs out. There's an end to this. Like I have a friend and he's, he's more well to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think he like inherited money, but he also like, has done well with it too, but in a very fun way. And I was at his house. I won't say where, but um, <clears throat> it's like a condo in this like condominium place. And then his condo is like two stories. And you go in the basement, and he has a pool that comes inside the basement, so you can like swim up. And it's like a bar inside his basement of a condo. And I'm okay. inside there one night smoking weed after a show and he's like drinking and I've known him forever. Like we've met in college and, uh, so he's getting real with me. He's like, yeah, man, you know, you've got like a wife and kids and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I just, I don't know why I can't find the right one. And I was like, Oh, you don't know why here, let me go underwater inside your basement here. I was, I was like, dude, your whole life is set up. For pussy, it is like you look at your whole house, and he just started laughing. He's like, "Oh yeah," I was That's like, why. "You own a you own a bar in a college town." I was like, <laughs> "So I, I, it's like I'm not mad at you, but this is what this is what it's all about." Yeah, and but it what it didn't occur to, like this was a problem. He was like, he's like, "I just can't figure out why I can't." And I'm like, "Okay," because you've. You're in a maze. You're in a maze of pussy you set up for yourself. <laughs> and you can't get out. So, it was just interesting. It was just a funny moment where I was like, huh, okay. Yeah, yeah at least be aware of what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I don't, yeah, I think that's when he was like, oh, no, I have a problem. Yeah, this is a problem. Well, you know what? Some people might not be aware of what they're doing when they're on the dance floor also. There it is. There it is. Good. Yes. <laughs> I'm not as good as Jesse at, at the segues, but no, I'm, I'm letting I'm you take it today. No, no, man. You you went first on the welcome to probably science. I think this is a cool a cool. Then you have to do sloppy segues. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the rule from now on. Yeah. That's the rule. Whoever goes Whoever first goes first does, does the, the shitty segues. segues. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is an article in the Guardian sent in by I believe Justin Broad. I will double check that in a second. It but, is um, JB about how low notes really do get people dancing and that's even if they're not consciously detectable. So neuroscientists show that clubbers move more to very low frequencies. When it comes to getting in the groove on the dance floor, it really is all about the bass. Researchers have found scientists say when very low frequency VLF sound was introduced during an electronic live electronic music event, 
gig goers moved more even though they could not hear the frequencies. This is real world, real electronic huh. music dance concert validation that the bass really does make people dance. And this isn't just something that comes from our conscious awareness, said Dr. Daniel Cameron, a neuroscientist and first author of the work from McMaster University in Canada. Cameron and colleagues note that previous studies suggested music that induces dance has more low frequency sound and that low pitches help people move in time to music. However, it was not clear this impact of low frequencies would be seen in the real world or when such sounds are not consciously detectable. Was it the same song though? Well, that's what, let's see how he you know what I mean. Was it was it like uh, fucking Beethoven's Fifth versus like a <laughs> banger, and then one just <laughs> right? No, one's, no like, one's dancing. You would hope it's like the same song. Blow the whistle. One of the choruses <laughs> it has it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, writing the journal Current Biology, the team report how they set up an electronic music concert by the Canadian duo Orphix. There's no uh, vowel between the ph. And the I think X. you nailed that one. I Orphix. think you nailed it. That's yep. I think that's their name. Uh, McMaster, and he asked attenders, uh, they asked attenders, attendees, to wear motion capture headbands before turning on and off specialized VLF speakers every two and a half minutes during the 55-minute performance. Results from 43 attenders, they keep saying attenders, like, is that a word and not attendees? Either way, people who were there who agreed to wear a headband revealed they moved 11.8% more on average when the VLF speakers were turned on. Cameron noted this meant people dance more vigorously or with more exaggerated movements. I think people dance more in headbands. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I do. You do you know what I mean? Better. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you feel you're great. You're like a, a t- uh, like a tennis guy in the seventies. You're like you yeah, do. Gonna- fi- you're right. Like I I use what sometimes what I run and I do <laughs> feel there is something about putting a headband on. Right. Oh, this is kind of goofy. We're gonna go. We're gonna have fun today. Yeah. Is it, <laughs> is it yeah. like like we're having a good like, time? We're in a headband. Yeah. You also went like to it. What it's very that? hard to like openly weep when you have a headband on. It like, feels <laughs> yeah. feels what if weird. You put one on at a funeral. You're just like, oh my god. Somebody's like, I don't know. I'm pretty good mood that dude's wearing. Just a black head. one. Yeah, I'm in my morning headband and uh, I, feel, I feel all right. I feel all right. What was that show? I think Billy Wayne, you and I are close in age. What was that '80s show where the kid would put on the? It was like post Karate Kid, but definitely like riding the coattails of Karate Kid. When he put on a headband, a la Daniel San, he would suddenly get magical powers. The, the last know. electric warrior, last electric ninja, or any of these things. The last electric knight. That's what it was. Did you ever watch that? Nope. <clears throat> nope. Uh, it sounds like something that a, like that you may have created. Nope. It's like it just was. a creative kid. We were just like, man, what if it wasn't karate? It was. I don't think there's enough respect for like that era of shows that were primetime shows that were just created by cocaine. Oh, like yeah, the this, all of it. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. I mean, like, like, like oh, Alf, it. it's like he's an alien in a Hawaiian shirt. He eats cats and they're like, put it on at 8 p.m. Yes, put it on. <laughs> they're a dinosaur puppet family, obviously. Yes, put it out just there. Any of Burt Reynolds films. <laughs> right. Yeah. I do think involving a simian, it's, yeah. Well, I think, I don't know, did you see Eddie Murphy talking to uh, Jerry Seinfeld about Sammy Davis Jr.? It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. No, no. Because it's Eddie, who's the coolest person on the planet. And then Jerry's driving him, who's not the coolest person on the planet. Right. And Eddie's just telling these cool stories, and he was like, yeah, uh, 
Sammy Davis Jr., he's like, that whole thing that with his mouth, that whole thing, he's like, that was cocaine. He's like, everyone was on cocaine during that. <laughs> that was like, man, this is, yes. This is what everyone should be talking about. Yes. Yeah. And he was like, he was like, all those cats were on cocaine. He was like, he's like, Sammy was out of his mind. He's like, he worshiped the devil. And Jerry's <laughs> like, say what? He's like, yeah, me and, and Charlie and some guys were at Dan Tanis with Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> And he's just over there. He's like, yeah, you know, the devil just has, he has as much power as God. You look at all the destruction. He's like, and he looked up at me and Charlie are like, what in the fuck? Uh, he's like, then he backed up, but it was like clear that he worshiped the devil. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is, this is, but I've always, because of the drug war, we can't talk about the drugs that people were on that very much have to do with what's wrong with society during these eras <laughs> yeah and but and influence all the media like like uh i think the movie predator is the most coked out film <laughs> oh i've ever God. seen <laughs> where it's like the yes. like you know um you're bleeding and he goes i ain't got time to bleed <laughs> and like i just imagine a dude like doing a line off his typewriter and going like yes <laughs> like, <laughs> like writing that screenplay like fucking rocky four like it's just, just like, kicking a hole in the drywall when he typed. Yeah, when he wrote that line. <laughs> he's sitting there. He's got a headband on, for sure. 100% chance. Yes. And then finding out that the guy who wrote Alf literally was a junkie. Like the entire movie about that. Have you seen that movie? No. Permanent Midnight, Ben Stiller as the, as the, as the TV writer behind Alf, who had a huge heroin problem. In the movie, he's writing a fictionalized version of Alf while doing all the heroin. It's Ooh, insane. It checks out. Yeah. It That's checks out. Sad. That is sad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so this experiment, they had the VLF speakers and that made people dance 12% more. They conducted a further experiment in which 17 people were asked to distinguish between a pair of clips from the concert that were identical and a pair that differed only by the presence or absence of the very low frequencies. Uh, the results from this 72, from 72 such trials revealed participants did no better than chance at telling the pairs apart. So that backed up the conclusion that concert attenders were not consciously aware of those very low frequencies, which is pretty, that's pretty crazy. So it made you dance more, even though you can't pick out which parts of the song it was happening in. Well, I, from the musicians I know, and some quite successful now, once they get into producing stuff, and Jesse can back me up or tell me I'm wrong because he does understand music a lot better than I do, but... I've noticed once I just sit back and listen to them talk, but once they start getting into production, that side of it, that's when they start talking about frequency so much more than they ever had before. And they, I ask, cause I'm just now slowly getting into EDM because the science hack I figured out, <clears throat> it's like smoke a little weed <laughs> before I go on a run. Uh, and then when you get that runner's high, that dopamine drop, you listen to EDM and it's already designed for Molly, which sure. is all that. It just, you feel amazing. It, it was just, it's the, I can run so much further. It's the funniest thing where I'm like, oh, this is something I figured out from partying. This is hilarious. <laughs> that might be the only like use I can see for EDM. Cause I'm always like, yes, I get it when people are at a party, but like, does anybody listen to this at home? But running, okay. Maybe I'll yeah, no, it's, no, I'd listen to it no other time. Yeah. Um, but that is, yeah. That's, Not in the bath. No, none of it. It just I don't even go to the, like the like I like 
DJ's lives, I think they're I like they're inspiring how those dudes live, but you know, what they do I don't care about, but I think the one, the very successful ones it's they understand frequency, I think in in a different way than most people. So I think there's something definitely to that science. Although I wonder if these are their the stuff they did at this experiment if this is even something that you could put on a traditional recording and have it even come through or if it's so low that you had to you know i think you need these uh speakers i know that crazy like six hertz speakers or something yeah but you can also do i know you can do subharmonics like you can imply lower notes than 20 hertz than the human hearing range based on the order of the higher harmonics of what those notes would be you can imply a lower note and the brain will still fill it in despite not hearing it so you can (laughs) you can make subhuman like a a human can imagine those sounds it just can't hear them Mm. uh so you can certainly imply it with uh subharmonics you know that's like a Uh, that's a popular like dj you know you're sitting there in your mouse mask or whatever uh you know you know how to type it in (laughs) uh you you know you know what else is uh moving without us realizing what's that that? corpses Oh. oh Dead bodies. This story in on the bigthink.com that Paul Muxworthy's wife Lisa found. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, we're, we're we're learning more things about death every day. Says this. Was, I think it's because it's on the big think. It's starting a little philosophical. Much has been said and theorized about the great divide between life and the great beyond. While everyone and every culture has its own philosophies and unique ideas about the subject, we're beginning to learn a lot of new scientific facts about the deceased corporeal form. That's a completely unnecessary opening paragraph for this for our purposes, but thank you very much, Mike uh, Collagrosi, for a little adding a little bit of colour to this article. An Australian scientist has found that human bodies move for more than a year after being pronounced dead. These findings could have implications. It depends, on the base, it depends on the base notes, Matt. Yeah. Hey, the- that body's not dead, dude. <laughs> yeah, this study was carried out on Jimmy Carter. And... Uh, <laughs> I just want to build houses. I'm not dead. <laughs> uh, an Australian scientist has found that they moved for more than a year. This, this, these findings could have implications for fields as diverse as pathology to criminology, uh, and also Halloween, obviously. Yep, sure. Huge, huge Halloween. The Halloween field. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, researcher, researcher Alison Wilson studied and photographed the movements of corpses over a 17-month time frame. She recently told. Agence France Press about the shocking details of her discovery. Reportedly, she and her team focused a camera for 17 months at the Australian facility for taphonomic experimental research. That's, uh... I'm going to look up the word taphonomic because I've never heard that, but they have made the acronym spell after. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Taphonomy is the study of how organic remains pass from the biosphere to the lithosphere. And this includes processing affecting remains from the time of death of an organism through decomposition, burial, and preservation. Okay, so that is the correct word. Well done, then, for making it spell after. That doesn't even look like... That's not even a contrived acronym. Well done, guys. Uh, she took They took images of a corpse every 30 minutes during the day. For the entire 17-month duration, the corpse continually moved. They've got a kind of claymation thing going on here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What we found was that the arms were significantly moving so that the arms started off down beside the body, ended up out to the side of the body. (laughs) (laughs) It's making death angels. Uh, Slowly. Help me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
But is it like electron? Like, is it the electricity part what? of us? Like, I, 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 I no, I think it's um, uh, it's got to be the decomposition, right? The gases and such, and- of of just like the muscles and ligaments and tendons, just doing various things as they. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, she Change. says the researchers mostly experienced some kind of movement during the very early stages of decomposition. That makes sense. But she further explained that their continual movement continue, completely surprised the team. Quote, we think the movements relate to the process of decomposition as the body mummifies and the ligaments dry out. So during one of the studies, arms that have been next to the body eventually ended up akimbo on their side. That's the a team. word I never know what it means. Does it? I, I, it I means it's a it's a Miami fighter. I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they spread, also, basically. can I just? I've just been laughing quietly to myself that like, if like this team of researchers at the end like it keeps moving for like a year and like and we've all as a team, we believe in ghosts now. So that <laughs> <laughs> ghosts are real. You're just like, oh god. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a Ouija board. They all had their hands on the corpse, but they all promised none of them were moving it. <laughs> right, right. I didn't, I didn't do it. And, e- and even though the body was stiff as a board, it was also light as a feather. <laughs> <laughs> it floated. Uh, what, what was the name of the uh, the fucking Ouija board demon in The Exorcist? Like Mr. Like Dr. Howdy or something? Oh, I don't know. It was like the least scary. Like that's when you first noticed this, this lady is... Uh, that Linda Blair's like getting haunted or whatever is through the Ouija board. Oh, and um, yeah. And like Milton Bradley tried to stop like Sue because it really hurt Ouija board sales. That fucking movie. <laughs> they got, I'm serious. They got- That's right. I always forget the Ouija boards are actually like sold and trademarked by a toy company. No, it's insane. You, you, you go to a toy the, store and they got the Monopoly and then they're like, yeah. you talk to death. Open they a got, portal to the other. One. Yeah. <laughs> they got a. Yeah. It's like you can get shoots and ladders and a satanic ritual. I will um, say, Ralphie May said one of the funniest things, because we were checking in where Anna Nicole Smith died, uh, and because there's an improv there, of course, at the Hard Rock, and he was like, I want to stay in her room, and they're like, okay, and then I said, we should get a Ouija board, and he was like, man, she couldn't spell when she was alive. That's <laughs> like, oh, that is just one yeah. of those jokes where like, man, that is... That is, you are good at this. You're lazy, yeah. but you're good at this. Yeah. We're going to have to get, like, Ouija emojis. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brutal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be a good sketch. Like, a, a a ghost whose spelling is bad enough that people who are being haunted have to ask for clarification. <laughs> I don't know what you're even trying to say here. I don't. <laughs> like, I was terrified, and now I'm confused. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is very funny. Uh, <laughs> like if you're like, are you okay like what happened like are you still like brain damaged i thought wouldn't that get better if yeah. you're if your presence is with us turn on the cold water <laughs> no the cold your other right your other right the cold <laughs> one <laughs> the show's just called dumb ghost hunters <laughs> yeah uh, Uh, it'd be funny if that's how you become a ghost like if uh if like all ghosts are dumb because there's like a weird entrance exam they couldn't find their way into heaven (laughs) yeah they can't get in it's like getting uh it's like getting your uh learner's permit or something they can't do it so just to be clear you want you want us to tell horse uh you want to tell horse we we lick them. We lick horse. What, what are you saying? What are you saying now? We we lick horse. You lick horse. What? 
Yeah, basic geography on the heaven entrance exam, and uh, and then you're stuck as a ghost until you <laughs> until you learn things. Until <laughs> mm. you they pass a GED. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, guys. Um, so uh, if heaven was an intelligence exam, no one would get it. <laughs> Because this team subject is one of the bodies stored at the body farm, which sits on the outskirts of Sydney. Wilson took a flight every month to check in on my sister. Hey, if you behave and do what I say now, her findings were recent. So, how do we know the cadaver, the the body farm guys weren't just fucking? Sorry, and again, I know we were talking about this before. Findings were recently published in the journal Forensic Science International. But I'm sorry about the gunshots. The researchers believe that understanding these after-death several. I mean, they go and there's like 30 dudes out there. Do this target practice. Could benefit I haven't from this heard one yet. I think be able to give a was, time frame to missing persons and link yeah. them that up with yeah, an unidentified there's like a VFW or the American Understanding Legion. decomposition rates for human yeah, donor in the Australian the, environment uh, is important for police, Every forensic anthropologists, and pathologists okay. for the estimation uh, of PMI it's not, it's not to assist turkeys, with the identification just, uh, of unknown victims as well yeah, as the investigation. I talk about a turkey shoot in my new special if we're going to do. There you go. It was. I thought you might have been bringing that up. I was like, oh, I do talk about. Because my uncle got shot. Did I just lose everyone? <clears throat> going to his truck when a, a turkey, like a slug, bounced off the a, oh. a target in the field next to his shop. And then it went through his hand into his ass. I mean, it's I'm doing wow. part of the, the bit now, but not on purpose. It's just telling the story. But yeah, yeah, yeah that is. Wow. So that's when you said that. I was like, you should be careful because they're not. They're it's drunk too. They yeah, drunk they're very their, drunk. They're very. They I, get I can, hammered at those places. Yeah, I haven't heard of this as like a, a an event. This is a thing people. I just, I just learned about it when I moved into this house. I moved in and I was like, finally, a nice, quiet, safe neighborhood. <laughs> and then, like, uh, you know, five cargo trains went by, and dudes are like Yosemite Sam shooting shit <laughs> like behind. Me. <laughs> it's horrible, man. But this turkey thing is just around Thanksgiving, right? Like, what's the? No. no. Oh, what? No, it's well. I talk about it in the special too. It's uh, to do the bit. It is. It's how rednecks raise money for kids. Is what it is. <laughs> Where it's they all go shoot at a target, and whoever's the best shot wins the butterball turkey. Now I'm sure back it's, in the day it was like a big deal where they'd have like we killed a turkey and we have an actual turkey here, and you know you don't have to go kill it yourself and feed your family. But now it's just. There's an actual butterball turkey there, and that's what you win. <laughs> yeah, it's to win a turkey. It's like a cakewalk to win a cake. Right, right. These are not cakes that are walking. It's you know? it's what the men were doing while the cakewalk is happening. It is mm -hmm. exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's called and it's, a, tur a turkey shoot, you said? Yep. Yeah, it is. Never it's nice to have someone not be like, it's so cool that Jesse and I both know what it is, and the other person doesn't, because it's usually... The other way around. I can hear the train. I can hear the train. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Coming, coming um, around the bend. I know okay. where you're at exactly. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm behind American Legions. Where I live. <laughs> I know exactly. Uh, where not in the creek, in a house. Uh, yeah. But I, I know and I can picture the weather, what it is, and how the trees look. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was just. Uh, so when I just Googled turkey shoot, there's a movie that came out of Australia in 2003. Um, it's called Turkey Shoot. Hunting is the national sport, and people are the prey. And this one's about uh, like turkeys taking revenge. Okay. So this is the turkeys fight back. I like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds. Yeah. 
Sure. By the way, I thought Matt had just gone quiet, but I think we've lost Matt. Why don't we get Matt back on for a little? Let's do. If you could stick around for a minute, Billy, we'll just do one quick bonus story for our Patreon patrons. Sure. Is that cool? Yeah. And yeah. um, in the meantime, fun. where can everyone listening find you and find? Yeah. How can people watch this special? And if and you stuff. Google Billy Wayne Davis, all that stuff, like whatever you prefer, like to follow, will come up bwdtour.com is also a good place it's not it's very much just a page where you can find all my socials testify is the name of the special it's in the the but you can click on that and then you can get the link to buying it if you want to buy it and watch it the premiere november 17th uh you can watch it there live with everybody and then we do a q a after that or then you can just get it from there or then get it from whatever after two weeks, like December fourth or whatever it is, you can get it anywhere you get stuff. So excellent. Sorry, go, go I check hate that out. That no, it's it's, it's as, important. This is our listeners are are eager to find new good things, comedic and sciency. So they, I'm, I'm very sure proud of it. It's very cool. It's very cool. It's not just a stand up special. You got to wrap this art piece. A round of funny stand-up that, special. Can you hit me now? Yeah. Oh, we got awesome. Matt back just in Sounds time for the cool. wrap-up. Yes. Uh, I see there, but we were just doing our our goodbyes. Um, guess, yes, not, check out I'm Billy Wayne's Matt. special. I don't see Matt either. Oh, there he there is. There Yeah, uh, what, what happened there, the reason I just disappeared was I'm staying in a hotel that has that brilliant system where the Wi-Fi is free, but you have to, re, you have to re-log in every 24 hours. And I guess this was exactly 24 hours from when I entered the hotel room yesterday. So oh God. it just suddenly cut me off, and then it took me about mm. three minutes to log back in again. Uh, oh, no problem at all. Well, glad to have you. Do you want to give our, our social info? Well, we'll yeah, you can, do a- you can find us uh, probablyscience.com is the website. You can find us on Twitter at probablyscience, individually at Andy T. Wood, at Jesse Case, and at Matt Kirshen, and probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, and stories you would like us to cover. And go and check out Billy Wayne's special, Billy Wayne Davis, on the internet, telling jokes in a cannabis church in Denver. It's good. Mm -hmm. It's good. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.